0: You think you are supposed to know everything. Life is a mystery. Don't you know life is a mystery? I see you're still trying to figure it out. It ain't all for you to know. It's all an adventure. That's all life is. But you got to trust that adventure. I'm on an adventure. I've been on one since I was nine years old. That's how old I was when my mama sent me to live with Miss Tyler. Miss Tyler gave me her name, Esther Tyler. I don't tell nobody what I was called before that. The only one know that is my mama. I stayed right on there with her till she died. Miss Tyler passed it on to me. If you ever make up your mind, I'm going to pass it on to you. Hmm. People say it's too much to carry. But I told myself somebody got to carry it. Miss Esther carried it. Carried it right up till the day she died. I didn't run from it. I picked it up and walked with it. I got a strong memory. I got a long memory. People say, you crazy to remember. But I ain't afraid to remember. I try to remember out loud. I keep my memories alive. I feed them. I got to feed them otherwise they eat me up. I got memories go way back. I'm carrying them for a lot of folk all the old Tommy folks. I'm carrying their memories and I'm carrying my own. If you don't want it, I got to find somebody else. I'm getting old, going on 300 years now. That's what Miss Tyler told me, 285 by my count. I told myself Black Mary Got to make up her mind. I don't know how much time I got left.
1: The theater, the theater. Sing it out, Louise! Theater, theater.
2: What's up y'all doop, doop,
3: doop, doop, doop,
2: doop. i have to be honest i'm a little upset we weren't recording for the past like five to ten minutes that we were
3: talking
2: just... we were calling about talking about college theater spaces and how they are way too nice for their own good yeah. um we'll we'll do a whole episode on it someday
3: we absolutely should because yeah. I've, <laughs> I've got a great really story should. about one of the spaces <laughs> at penn state which yeah, you really which should it got a history and it's amazing and insane Y'all just had to be there. Y'all had to be there, and <laughs> we were here. We were here recording we were, and zooming. You weren't.
2: I'm sorry you missed out, but we didn't miss out. We're doing we fine.
3: <laughs> I feel great. Screw We're doing a whole podcast <laughs> call called "You Didn't Hear It," where we just get on and go listen to let's let's talk about a conversation. <laughs> Guess yeah, what right? we just talked about? We talked about something so cool, and you weren't here for it.
2: <laughs> um, you know. That reminds me of Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater <laughs> podcast for theater people made by three theater nerds from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey-Burcham.
3: I'm CJ Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And each uh, week we get together. Oh. I'm sorry. I, jump- I was jumping. Jump- was- Do you want to fight? I'm, I'm excited.
2: Do you want to? <laughs> Do we need to throw down?
3: No, Barry. I-
2: I- here's I- the thing. Here's the thing. This thing goes the same every time. And if you fuck up the flow, we got to start completely over.
0: Uh...
2: Here we go. Welcome to Theater Theater, <laughs> the theater <laughs> podcast for theater people, made by three theater nerds from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Bertram.
4: I'm C.J. Merriman.
2: Oh. I, I'm Scott Leggett. Oh, <laughs> I, intent- <laughs> I
3: screened it up on purpose. Just and each week
2: me. we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights, and this is our mini series entitled The Podcast Lesson, covering the works of the profoundly prolific... August Wilson
3: yeah. yes. and we
2: have a very special guest who we are undoubtedly honored to have here. We, we really are.
3: Uh, r- 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 <laughs> 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 Raphael uh, Clements, we, put, we, we introduced him on the last one. Uh, he's worked all over the place. He's been uh, an actor teacher director since 1985 we're on zoom right now for our listeners and so we can see all of our faces so as we were doing the part one episode and raphael starts talking about oh yeah i was at uh, i was at yale when uh, when the piano lists and fences and all this were happening and all of our <laughs> faces were just like what yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I, yeah we I had, just, had i hung out w- with august wilson I talked about august y'all wilson. had to be there no big deal it was
2: he was being quite casual about it and our <laughs> eyes our, our eyebrows were touching the ceilings and our jaws were on the floor um it was, yeah it was called cool. tex avery moment
1: it was it was pretty cool i mean i i i loved my time there i i can't say enough about that place it was it was just it was a magical three years so I'm
3: oh i can't imagine you know
2: absolutely incredible. It's a part of history
3: but that brings us to our
2: next play which we've already discussed in a way. We a way. technically did an episode uh on this where because okay. we did a bonus mini series where we covered movies that had been turned into plays. Yes. <laughs> I'm trash. No. Plays that have been turned into movies, y'all, it's been a long You've time. You've been turned into so a movie. I am a movie. Good one. Well, the movies (laughs) um so i we've covered fences we talked about the movie in depth uh but scott gave us a lot of history about the play itself um and 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 we 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 did discuss the play at length especially the um james earl jones mary Mm -hmm. alice original Mm -hmm. cast uh but i still want us to be able to get a word in about it and i want Raphael to get a word in about it but first cj Break it down for us. What?
1: CJ's Breakdown.
4: Fences tells the story of Troy Maxson, a black man who's been forced to build walls around himself in order to survive in a nation of racial disparity. He finds himself trapped within those walls as change begins to sweep the country, isolating him from his family and the world. Thank you, Scott, for helping me out with that synopsis. Uh,
3: you're welcome.
2: Great synopsis. Great breakdown, man. CJ. <laughs>
4: Thanks. I did all the work.
2: Yeah. Um, you know we're a, we're a collaborative podcast. It doesn't really matter, <laughs> and I'll write each other's shit. So
1: Go Raphael, ahead.
3: you saw this original? You saw this on Broadway? Yes, I did. Man,
2: oh, oh, man. I, I, man.
1: I, I saw it with, uh, with with James O. Jones. By that time, Mary Alice had left, but uh, okay. the the actress that replaced her was wonderful, and Courtney Vance was still with it. Mikey mm. um, <gasps> Faison imagine. and Ray Arada. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fences was the first Wilson play I'd seen. And I saw it, well, specifically it was, I didn't see the entire play, but the, the first time I saw him staged was, it was uh, when I, I came to New York, uh, this was, it was during the Tonys during the mm. Tony Awards, and it was in 87, and that was the year that Fences won. Right. Uh, you know, best also player in player. a time mm. where
2: they would put the scene yes. from the show in the Tonys, which I st- wish they would still right. do. Yeah.
1: I remember um, being in New Haven, and this was in August, and uh, it was the first you know years and all that. We were at, there's a place in New Haven called Kavanaugh's, uh, mm. Irish restaurant and bar that, you know, was a hangout. Was one of the landmark places. Uh, that the Yankee Doodle, which is no longer there. Mm. Louis Lunch, where the hamburger was, you know, created. Oh, right, <laughs> right, right, right. That's right. Oh, and wow. So a bunch of us were were at Cavanaugh's, and we were watching the Tonys, and we saw, you know, the James Earl Jones scene there, and they announced it, you know, Fences at one, and I just remember feeling you have those moments where you feel like I cannot believe I am here mm-hmm. and just watching it. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to come here because I was looking, I was, when I was living, when I was at the university of Tennessee and uh, not working, not knowing what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, I was a communications major and wasn't really happy with that. And I decided I liked acting and I auditioned for this play called streamers and it was just this incredible experience. And I decided I wanted to act and I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I couldn't get the training I needed there because University of Tennessee's theater school didn't have any black males. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was three or four black women. And you know, this is in, in the early eighties. So it gives you an mm-hmm. idea of how things were. There right. were no black men mm-hmm. in the department. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go training and I didn't know anything about theater schools, didn't know anything about training, didn't know anything about auditioning. And I just remember reading a Ebony magazine and there was a cover story about the Yale School of Drama. And I was looking at it and I saw Lloyd Richards and I said, Who's Lloyd Richards? And I look at it, and he said he he directed the he directed Raising the Sun with you know City wow. wow. And then mm. I thought he was, you know, uh, he was at Yale rep. And I was okay, well, who went to the Yale School of Drama? And Meryl Streep. Uh-huh. And, you know, Paul Newman, and I was, it was just like. I, you know they listen to all these people, Henry Winkler, and I thought I want to go there. I want to go there because I wanted some kind of training. Yeah, I didn't know how to put together an audition. Uh, I had to work with somebody to do that with me, and I ended up auditioning twice. But I got in the second time uh, after that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but we'll um, do an
2: artist spotlight with you. I want to. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah,
1: but you know, I mean, it was it was it was a huge thing, and uh, the 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 entrance. The, the rate of people getting in you know it's like you know 800 thousand people auditioning so they probably mm. are 16 people each year yeah. so to get up there and you know when I got my letter and I got in and to get up there and to be amongst all of these people who are you know there to study and, and surround themselves with all these incredible people I just felt like I was so blessed I was just so. So blessed, and right. I just—it was like I hit the lo- fucking lottery. Mm. So watching the fences and seeing it get, you know, this Oscar, seeing it get the Tony, and James Earl Jones winning and, and Mary Alice winning, I just—it was sort of like validation. I said, "Yeah, I'm I'm in the right place. I'm in the right." Mm. Place. Yeah. <laughs> and you know I
3: mean, you hit. I mean, to think about like. Wow, you know, what Lloyd Richards alone was doing there at the time, and and you know to have August Wilson and to watch those, yeah, emerge it, from
1: from all that. Yeah, I mean, and they, they were doing great work I mean, before he before uh, August before Lloyd started working with August, he was working with Fugard, Athol Fugard, right, right, right. Uh, this place, <laughs> Master Harold and the Boys was premiered up there. With That's Daddy right. That's right. I, right. Wow, love that place with James O. Jones, and so you know he was. He was working with people. I mean, Lee Blessing, you know, yeah. did up there. It was just, it was just an incredible, incredible time. Um, and yeah, so that's the first time I saw a Wilson play. It was Fences, and I saw that, and then as soon as I could, I went and saw the Broadway. You know, saw the whole thing. Yeah, and you know, it was incredible.
2: We were just talking about this, Raphael. Uh, I work at the Pasadena Playhouse, and there is when you walk in the lobby. There is a huge tapestry that is just Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett holding each other on stage. And it says fences in the bottom. Mm-hmm. Of it. Mm-hmm. And I see it every day. And it's like one of my favorite things about the play that, that they did that show.
1: So Lawrence Fishburne and Angela Bassett paid Troy and Rose.
2: Yeah. God, mm. wow. And... It's, I'll I'll send y'all the picture and I'll post it on the Instagram. It's so cool. It's, it's just like such a great what, picture.
3: What year was that?
2: I want to say like 2012. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll double check that, but I looked great. through archives. was It was fantastic. Oh, you it
3: saw a, it? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Wow. It may, ha- no, it wasn't the first thing I saw at the Playhouse. But I hadn't well, I hadn't been around there in a while, and I was like, "Well, I'm I, I have to go see this." Yeah, <laughs> like you there's know? a full yeah. cast,
2: there's a cast and crew photo down in the basement that I see every fucking day as well. And then also, I've gone through the archives, and there's pictures of like beautiful, like cinematic photography of the show, mm-hmm. mostly black and white, but it's awesome. It looks mm-hmm. so cool. I'm sad that I didn't see it. But uh, is there anything else? Fences wise that we want to get out i mean obviously epic play uh the movie denzel viola it's
1: kind of mm-hmm. undeniable the one thing that i will say about that is that uh you've all seen like that clip uh when Tro- uh, when Corey asks troy why don't you like him and then mm-hmm. you know, says, you know like you who said i got to like you yeah mm-hmm. i think that's
2: the tony scene Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. you saw the one with James Earl Jones, and you saw the one with Denzel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about that. Okay. So two wonderful actors, very different. Totally different. So you see uh, Denzel doing it with, and Chris Chalk is playing Corey, Mm -hmm. and you're hearing people like titter and laugh in the audience because you know he's he's Denzel got this thing you know going on with 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 Corey, and it's like. They're laughing because you know he's he's making this boy you know look ridiculous and you know yeah. laughing at me. So so you got laughter because you know Denzel kind of is playing the humor of it. Mm-hmm. You see James Earl Jones do that scene, and I am terrified for Corey. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He takes Corey. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's the no, air out of the room. You know, yeah. fuck with, I mean, it's just it's so stark. Different. It was just the power. It is so different. And you, when he did that. Seeing James Earl Jones and 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 Courtney, you could hear a pin drop Mm -hmm. in that vehicle. Mm -hmm. So it's it's it's, you got you know like two actors and how different that scene can be. And uh, let's be straight up, like both
3: work. Oh yes, yes. absolutely,
4: both completely great and
3: legitimate. I um you know in the in the play he describes him. It was always my hesitation about Denzel doing it. He proved me way wrong but he describes him (laughs) as a big man he he described august wilson describes troy as a big man he's a big man with big hands um i don't know if he wrote it with james earl jones in mind but um just that that power and he also is about to lay down his whole philosophy Mm -hmm. he you know that 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 what follows is him going you know uh, it's my responsibility i have to do this I, that is my respect. And that's his core philosophy. I'm doing all this because I I, I am obliged to. There is yeah. a moral, you know, uh, foundation that I have to work from. And this is it. I But nothing says i got to like you. Um, hmm. Because there is because there's because after he, he sort of delivers the smack of that, there is underneath it this suggestion of love and i thought that that's the direction that denzel went i'm going to lay down the law but underneath it i'm going to reveal it's that whole thing that whole idea of revealing just a little bit of vulnerability revealing just a little bit of truth um listen i think troy the character of troy is up there with willie Loman and lear Absolutely. and hamlet i mean yeah, it is it should be interpreted different by every actor who does it and and the magic of the fucking play is excuse my language i'm just excited um but that's the magic of the play the play is a masterpiece and i mean that in in the absolutist of ways like it, you read it and there's a profundity to it that just is inescapable and you know i imagine that that mary alice was as different as Viola was as, as different and, you know, you know, yeah. um, this is,
2: this is proof of his mastership for sure. Oh, yeah. Like this is the mm-hmm. one to me. Like, I mean, in terms of family drama, if we're going to compare him to other American playwrights mm-hmm. uh, who have done as much, O'Neill, uh, Williams, whoever Miller. Miller. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, it's
3: death of a salesman, you know? It, yeah. It is, but it's
2: to me like, and I sent this in a text to CJ Sky earlier and it's, it's, a bold take but I just think he kind of like drills them into the ground Mm -hmm. with this play like this play makes them all look a little silly Like, and I love (laughs) them all like don't get me wrong like I can talk O'Neill all day Mm -hmm. but like if we're comparing this to say the father relationship in anything in O'Neill but uh, you know Long Day's Journey or something like I I don't like you can't even you can't even compare them
1: yeah, and it's what's interesting about it is that if you believe what Wilson says, it's his least favorite play.
3: Hmm.
1: Really? Yeah, 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 he
3: says he was kind of, he kind of felt like uh, that he was kind of pushed into writing something a little bit mm. more "quote unquote" traditional or sure. within the framework of that. Am I am, am I well, right about that, Raphael? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Ma Rainey came out. And they said, "This is wonderful, but there's there's no story. Where's the story?" Mm. Right. And he was, you know, being told that he couldn't write a traditional, well-made play. And so he said, "Okay, oh, all right. So I'll write *Fences*. So he wrote yeah. *Fences* to show that he could do that. And *Fences* <laughs> was like lauded and yeah. mm-hmm. on the Pulitzer and the Tony. Yeah. And, and it should be, but he said that it was his least favorite play because he that's not the direction he wanted to go. And so mm. he hadn't written. None of the other plays are like that,
2: right? And um, I that like quadruples yeah. my respect for him and kind of yeah. even I, makes yeah, my, my point him, more profound. <laughs> <movie
1: too. laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Is Isn't the wrong Will May plays? Yeah. No, <laughs> right. And I, I mean, that's the thing.
2: I think the fact that he's like, uh, okay, yeah, I'll give you what the other playwrights are doing. Let me show you what I can do, and it's better. That's even more
4: <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: well, and, and
3: you can see like where he he takes. He takes whatever lessons he learned in Ma Rainey, um, which is like that's a, Ma Rainey, The magic of Ma Rainey to me is that it doesn't really have an end. There's, yeah, it's not hopeful. It's a sad, tragic ending, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it is. It's it's a moment. It is a day that you know. It's it's a day that something happened You know, the basis right. of all drama it's this is the day that something happened and yes. this is what happened and that's how he tells it but he's also trying you know um i wanted to ask you about this raphael because he early on as he's getting more into the black power movement he kind of made statements and then i i never i don't know if he softened on these as th- times when time went on this is like 68 69 uh, that he's saying this, but he was saying that you know that that there should be a black theater and that black artists should should do black theater. In other words, he didn't believe in in a black Hamlet, uh, at least not in 1968. And then he seems to really focus on trying to find like he spends the 70s kind of trying to figure it out. Like he spends a decade kind of reading, and you can see him, you know, and you can see it in Ma Rainey where it's it, and in Jitney like Jitney's. I wouldn't call it a lesser work but it's not you can see that he's still trying to work stuff out. Um and when he finds it like he finds it and he it, he he figures it out. He figures out a formula
1: and then he creates his own thing, you know. Yeah. Well, I he never he never loses that idea because he had this famous he wrote a an article uh saying what you said, that he thinks that, you know, black artists should not be doing Hamlet and uh, or they shouldn't do white or Eurocentric drama Mm -hmm. that uh, black Mm -hmm. artists do black art for black people. And uh, Robert Brewsting, you know, who was uh, the first dean of the school of drama, uh, Yale School of Drama and the Yale Repertory Theater and went to Harvard, he disagreed with him vehemently. And then they ended up having this debate at Town Hall in New York that was, you know, publicized. So, you know, Wilson's saying his thing and then Bruce saying, saying, no, you know, black people need to be able to do anything they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was a famous thing. I mean, if you go online, you can find it. Mm, um, yeah. yeah. I, um, I, I think I, I took it, I took him this, I took Wilson t- to say that, um, Black art, African American art, theater, drama, and stuff—it should be ranked as high and as important as Eurocentric drama. It's the the, the storytelling, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the way it's done. It's just as important, and it should it it deserves the same amount of respect as you know U- European drama. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. that's what I took it to mean um, because. You know, fr- you know, frankly, um, you know, if you were to go with the way that he's going, then you won't have Black artists doing anything from anybody else. Uh, you won't have Black directors directing anything from anybody else. Right. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, th- there are a lot of Black uh, directors who direct wonderful stuff and uh, mm-hmm. you know, artists that direct things. I, I do believe that um, if a work... Um, is race or specific to a particular race or condition, that needs to be respected. But if it's open, then anybody ought to be able to do it and anybody ought to be able to direct it as long as um, you do your homework and you respect the material that you're working with and you use your cast, Mm -hmm. your cast. You know, I wish I could have seen that Bartlett Shear, um production of Joe Turner, mm. the, mm. the yeah. remount, the the revival. I I heard it's wonderful, and I heard that the cast worked well for him. But he got a lot of flack for that. Lincoln Theater got a lot of flack for that because they said, uh, you know, Wilson didn't want white act, didn't want white directors directing.
2: Sure.
1: Now, mm. the, the piece. Now I can understand it from because from his point of view, you know, black directors you don't see them very well, much on broadway anyway they only have you know they let a few in there so if they're not being allowed to direct shakespeare or mm-hmm. whatever then you're going to take away the one time they do have a they they, they do have a, an artist of color you're going to take that opportunity away from them whereas right. you know white male director can direct anything he fucking wants right so, right you know, <laughs> so right. they were complaining about that but and i think that's true you know, d- you know, don't take away the possibilities. You're not gonna allow me to direct anything that I want if I know the material. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: There's this interesting, there's, this doesn't matter, but there's this movie, um, Lee Daniels, who is a fantastic uh, director. Uh, he did you know, The Butler and Precious and things mm-hmm. like that. He also made this movie that I love. I own the DVD, it's behind me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an all white cast and it's called The Paperboy. Ooh, and wow. yeah. it's real weird and it's real <laughs> sexy and it's sweaty and i love it but it has like an 18 percent on rotten tomatoes <laughs> and a lot of the reviews if you re- like if you go through them are weirdly racially charged where mm. they're like well it's because lee daniels doesn't get like this this white trash culture and it's like what are you talking about you he gets it better than fucking anyone right now like he's literally satirizing this perfectly it's so good you
4: don't get white people yeah it's,
2: it's so like fine. watching a play Jesus Christ. it is like watching a play I the recommend caucasity
4: of it all it. yeah
2: <laughs> i want everybody to watch the movie the Paperboy. it's john cusack nicole cool. kidman matthew Man. mcconaughey Zach Zac Efron. You've never
1: seen him before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Cusack goes all the way weird dark. And it's just, oh God, it's a good movie. It's really sweaty.
1: Um,
4: I have something to say about Fences.
3: Do it, yes.
4: <laughs> um, something that I caught on this read, and it made me think back to uh, doing Shepherd, and we were talking about Sins of the Father, also Sins of the Mother, but Sins of the Father, Um, and it's a recurring theme in a lot of American playwrights. But Rose has this fantastic line that she says, You can't visit the sins of the father upon the child. Oh.
2: Mm-hmm. That's, I think,
4: <laughs> making, yeah, Wilson just being like, We're going to fix this with women. The paper. Um, oh. The paper. I think,
3: I think I've. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's like the first thing Zach Everon did after um, High School Musical. And it's, it's him like trying to break out of that sort of.
3: And he's good. And he's like, Good. <laughs> and he <like>, <laughs> Super hot. Oh wow! All right. Well, everyone should watch it. I shouldn't. I'm not mad about (laughs) it. I recommend. No, anything else on fences? No, I just I think it's it's an American masterpiece. I think that, um, I think everybody should just fucking read it. Like, uh, just read. Like, if you can't see a a production of it, I mean, mean, go see the movie. See the movie. Like, whatever. But movie's great. I also just think that like. You c- it's just uh, an amazing fucking play. It's it's Worth a, the read. a great accomplishment of, uh, of a player. I'll, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about August Wilson's accomplishments and where I think he ranks in the lexicon of stuff later. But yeah. man, it's. Fucking um, fucking we
2: cool. should mention that one set in fifty uh, seven. Mm-hmm. Ma Rainey mm-hmm. was twenty seven. This is fifty seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, re- premiered in eighty seven.
3: Yeah.
2: Mm. Um, decades and shit. Uh okay cool. So why don't we move on to our next the next one we're covering which our uh, <laughs> our mini series of course is named after the podcast lesson. Uh this play is the 1990 play, mm-hmm. I'm skipping a couple years. The piano lesson set in 1936. CJ break it down for us. <laughs>
1: CJ's breakdown.
2: Boy
4: Willie travels to Pittsburgh in the 1930s, hoping that his sister, Bernice, will let him have the piano that their enslaved uncle engraved in pre-Civil War, Mississippi. Willie hopes to parlay proceeds from selling the instrument into ownership of the land his uncle once worked. But when Bernice has other ideas, it becomes clear that the piano represents very different things to
3: the siblings. Mm. I am... So can I save my memory about discovering the piano lesson for the yeah, first time? Yeah, I have was one yeah. too. Go ahead. Uh, so was reading it in college, um, and we're sitting there. It was just one of those weird, like it was a snowy day, and you know everybody's just kind of grumpy and sitting in class. And so the professor's like, "What does everybody think?" And there's this pause, and Mikey Betrondo, if Mikey, if you're out there, uh, <laughs> Mikey Betrondo would later be uh, one of my college roommates. Was like, yeah that piano it means a lot of fucking things and, it was, and like the class just lost their shit and we're like yeah like it's a all kind of metaphor going on yeah. in the piano lesson and um yeah man i fucking love i love this play love it love it
2: i uh i saved this this for my uh context because it's kind of silly um when i was a kid i would get really obsessed with certain actors or actresses from certain movies right i'd be like i need to see everything that that person has ever done please go get me all of their films right um so when i was like eight maybe a little younger i saw the movie scrooged mm-hmm. no yeah uh, love with it. bill murray yeah and alfre woodard is uh <laughs> the sort of Equivalent to Cratchit. It,
1: yeah, right. <laughs>
2: and um, I was obsessed with her. I was like, she is the best actress. Give me everything she's ever done. <laughs> and so my mom found at the library the filmed piano lesson, the 1995 filmed uh, television version of it with no, none other than Charles S. Dutton, mm-hmm. um, and... I, she brought it home one time and I watched it and I don't know. I I just remember sitting there and just watching her like she was an angel and then it being over and me being like, great, what next? Like, I, like I don't think I garnered anything from it. I was very young, but I was just sort of like, okay. Yeah. You know um, I did. I definitely didn't understand it, but I was also, you know, the youngest of a, of a family of, you know, film nerds who were just watching really old stuff and weird television filmings of things all the time so i was used to the quality and everything i i cannot find that filmed television version anywhere it's well, not on oh, youtube no there's clips but well, there's a the whole and... thing
3: uh you know it. that uh the this denzel's doing this next yeah he's very oh, good He's producing it, you know. It's I don't think he's directing
1: it. Going to do the
2: whole cycle, right? Or not? Yeah. he Necessarily, but that he's to be doing, doing he's, commi- yeah, he's committed. Yeah,
3: he's committed to overseeing that.
2: Yeah. Wow, cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we should mention uh, that this is the one that's most inspired by that Romare Bearden. Was that his name? He was yeah, one of the four the, Bs. Yeah. yeah. It was a painting of painting. his called "The Piano Lesson," um, and. <laughs> So it sort of inspired him to write a play featuring like a strong female character. There's this quote, uh, you know, sort of by Wilson, where he said he found the ending of the piano lesson to stray from the empowered female character, as well as from the question regarding self-worth. And what he feels like it finally seems to ask is, what do you do with your legacy and how do you best put it to use? Mm-hmm. which is not necessarily what he intended but what sort of he found after he wrote it and it was being produced and he was like that's sure that's what it can that's, be about
1: it's, well, that's the o- it's that's interesting
3: it's yeah. the only one that where he overtly and clearly uses a supernatural element there's other times in some of the other works where he suggests stuff but it's right. distinctly there is a ghost this is this is happening yeah and yeah. the first time i read it and i remember this very clearly having this discussion with with fellow students and whatnot going did he cheat is the is the use of the supernatural cheating just a bit to to make a point because what i love about august wilson i love many things but that there's n- the, the lines of right and wrong become it's about degrees i you know what i mean like boy sure. willie is is He's right. Like, he's not, he's wrong in that he's not get, getting permission to go sell the piano or that he doesn't care about her. But he's like, I'm not ripping her off. I'm going to give her half of it. She, It's half hers, and I'll give her half. Um, but he wants, he believes in a hard day's work. He gives a whole speech about, I believe in, in working hard. I want this land. He, he's trying to reclaim as much as anything else. And th- that piano is the way to reclaim it in his mind the -hmm. piano is and bernice ends up using the piano to literally reclaim uh and cast out you know the the ghost of the grandchild of sutter of owner yeah uh it's not cheating it's theatrical yeah that's what i'm asking i I, i'm 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 not saying i was was right but like you know i'm telling you you're wrong Yeah, but he doesn't he How doesn't use that device and, and it it makes me spin a little bit because up until that point you don't know if people are just spooked by something or if there's literally something. CJ, you you opened your mouth in, as if you were going to Like say. a codfish.
4: <laughs> um no, wow. I just to me it was like it it's it's another thing that he can do. <laughs> It's it's a new it's a new type of play. There is a ghost in the. I don't know. I just it was a
2: blithe spirit.
4: It's yeah. It's (laughs) definitely blithe spirit. Totally. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying
3: this well. You are no. I've never such
2: a great job, CJ. Um,
3: yeah. Because are you suggesting? Because I I always felt like the piano lesson feels like it is the next step in his evolution as a writer. You can see. The elements that are tied that he got from Ma Rainey, uh, that he got from Jitney, that he got from fences, and now he's going to a next level. He's making uh, an original thing. You know, it it ends so sharply and abruptly. It is, I'm going home. <laughs> you coming with me? Like mm. end, like.
1: Yeah. It. Um. Well, you know he. he 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 wanted to write his own kind of thing. Uh, the ghost, and it being Sutter's ghost, I mean, it, it represents um, the the it, it represents the history of slavery and oppression, and that's representative of yeah. Sutter. Sutter was the man that killed Boy Charles, mm-hmm. um, Boy Willie, and um, and and Bernice's da- uh, daddy. Uh, there were those three hobos in that ye- in the yellow dog boxcar that's right uh, mm-hmm. yes you know, mm-hmm. and uh the, you know uh African and African American folklore and, and story, it has lots of elements of supernatural. It has, you know, goats and hates. But mm-hmm. uh, right. so that's, that's throughout, uh, you know, our, our storytelling. And those hates could be, you know, it, it could be slavery, it could be, you know, old slave masters, it could be uh, your, your, uh, your, your own family, but it's usually something that's not being settled. It's something that's not being dealt with. And it's asking you to deal with this, face this pain that you're, um, that's staying there. Mm-hmm. And Bernice has this pain, you know, she's stuck. You know, she comes back, she comes up north and she's, uh, Crawley has been dead for three years and she's literally stuck. She Mm -hmm. can't move forward. And one of the things that Boy Willie is all about, Boy Willie is like Troy. He's like Levy. These are big men. They want to expand out of their circumstance. Whereas um, Levy and um, uh, Troy, they're boxed into their uh, circumstances. And it... They they want to. It's too big, you know. They they they're too big for their their house, their world, and they want to expand out. Boar Willie refuses to be boxed in like that. He he's going to go home and he's going to, you know, buy the land. He's going to grow those crops, and he knows who he is, and he's just this big character, and he who refuses to be, um, boxed in, and that piano represents. His being able to um, expand. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Expand and, and reclaim. Also, and, and reclaim and also leave something. He wants to be able to leave something for his children. You know, Black people in this country, we don't have, we, we don't have, um, a lot of us don't have institutional, um, institutional, there's not a lot of instances where you've got, you know, people, w- w- black families who can leave things, leave mm. in houses, leaving property. Mm. Uh, it's the, yeah. Know, the the yeah. idea of the cycles yeah. of we- wealth being, yeah. you, know, you, leave it. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we don't have, a, we don't have that. A lot of us do. So boy, Willie wants to be able to do that. He wants to be able to do something so he can leave as a legacy. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and he thinks, you know, if he can do that with this piano, then that's great. And you ought to be able to support that because that's something that we both can win. You know, you could have this money. And, but Bernice that rep, that piano, it represents this, the pain, the legacy of her family and her grand, her, 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 fa- her granddaddy, I think, you know, carving the family and everybody he can remember. And she doesn't want to give that up because if you forget your history, then you forget who you are right. mm-hmm. from. So it's, no what was what was the point i was trying to make <laughs> well just like i mean
2: i think it's a, li- a little bit about you know this it's sort of like we talked about buried child in the sam shepherd episode and and not to compare it to another uh work or another playwright but thematically similar in this idea of what do you leave behind or like what are the things we don't talk about mm-hmm. right what are the things that are unsaid when we Pass, you know, and what are the things that uh fester and become cornfields in the backyard, yeah, uh, Yeah, or ghosts? She doesn't want to talk
1: about about Crawley, and Mm -hmm. yeah, right. And 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 boy, Willie's trying to get her to you know, yeah, let's, yep. And she also, thank you for your
4: boy, Willie monologue at the beginning of the first episode, by (laughs) the way. Yes,
3: yes, yes, thank you. (laughs) Um, she also, Bernice also has a daughter. to keep in mind,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
3: and boy Willie doesn't have that yet. He's yep. seeking that. That that that's part of his next step. Um, and you, and, and so at the end when he's like, I'm going back. Like he he seems to. He's I'm going to figure out another way. You know, <laughs> I'll figure out another mm. way to do it. That, at least that there's a hopefulness in it, uh, and a catharsis in it that isn't say in in Ma Rainey. Ma Rainey Mm -hmm. is there's there's a sadness in it Mm -hmm, a little mm -hmm. bit of catharsis in fences too but it's not it's not Troy's catharsis and I think that in piano lesson everybody gets a little bit of catharsis Um, uh,
1: which is very which is different than the way it ended in the Yale production hmm. oh really yeah in the Yale production, it ends with, you know, Boy Willie is fighting Sutter's ghost. Yeah. And there's a train whistle, and the light comes, and then the play ends right like that. Ah. Oh. Oh. That's how it ends. It just <laughs> like that, you know, with, with you know, Boy Willie. I ins- like that. Um, <laughs> I can do like that, yeah. And so he changed it to where...
2: Less ambiguous.
1: Uh, it was ambiguous to... Um, she uh Bernice was able to exercise the ghost and then boy really yeah. ex- is accepting you know what what happened and realizes what happened and like you said he decides he's gonna get that lab but he's going to do it some other way right um, yeah, and wow. he's also accepting
3: the ghost because remember he rejects the ghost throughout yeah. mm-hmm. there, ain't, there ain't no ghosts up there he keeps saying mm-hmm. there ain't no ghost up there um so when he accepts that i th- you know um i also thought it was great for their relationship there i wanted throughout the play i want the, i want the two of them as brother and sister to to find a, a commonality and find a peace there's you know that right. that 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 pain that's ricocheting through the family is keeping them apart and there's something at the end when he's like cool you bernice you're right i'm going back who's going with <laughs> me like <laughs> like you come with me cool we all going all right cool uh,
4: may if if i may yeah. um I was just thinking, Shepard plays, nobody fucking deals with it. Wilson plays, they deal with it mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. right.
2: We made that point in the in the Shepherd mini series that he writes about broken things and doesn't fix them mm-hmm. right. Wilson attempts fixing it in this one well, and and, and it, it fixes it
1: I think at least or, or or at least they they're, they're dealing with it I mean right right the, the those steps
2: yeah. are being taken,
1: yes. The the situation hasn't changed other than the fact that they've accepted it. They're trying to move on or something. Right. Well, This one is set in
2: 1936, by the way. mm -hmm. Just as an interjection. I have nothing else to say about that. But that's the decade after, exactly nine years after uh, Ma Rainey. Right. But Mm -hmm. written 15 years later, 16 years later.
3: Right yeah
2: go ahead scott what were you saying i,
3: I was just saying that the, there's the, there's also um in shepherd the, all of their bullshit is self-imposed in a lot of ways and in uh, wilson there, there's the element of <laughs> imposed oppression uh right. that 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 permeates that where you don't have the sympathy for the shepherd character characters often no. but
1: yeah it, imposed oppression and what and how that affects everybody how how it it seeps into uh the people so that you you know you get uh self-loathing you get black on black violence uh, you get yeah it just it just it trickles down and affects everybody right and you you know cycles of it when
2: when uh you know uh a man feels oppressed he takes it out on his wife or when a you know or okay. his kids or when yeah. a woman feels oppressed she takes it out on whoever and it's it's the cycle and yeah. he captures it here and in other plays i think uh yeah. better than anyone
1: or 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 you know it, some something you snap and you end up killing somebody yeah like, mm-hmm. like right
2: like right. adnan yeah. yeah. Um so <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm uh, kidding, I'm kidding. We're not gonna get into it. Um, <laughs> just, um just I just wanna shout out to
4: <laughs> <laughs> I just wanna shout out my favorite speech in the whole piece was Ooh, yeah. the Bernice speech in act two, scene two, where Avery's she says she's a whole lot of woman and Avery's trying to get her to marry him. And it's the whole speech about her saying, um, you can be a man without a woman, but I can't be a woman without a man. Mm. And I just, mm. I, it's, I loved it.
3: Um, yeah. It, the, the love and respect that he has for wi- the women in his plays is. For sure. Is obvious and it's, it's beautiful. And, and it's not like that the, he puts them on a pedestal of perfection. It's that, that there's a, re- there's a strength in, in all of those characters that, um. That comes from different places. Ma Rainey's strength comes from a very different place than Bernice's strength. And um, Mm -hmm. they're both insanely powerful and it's insanely obvious.
2: Anything else on the piano lesson anybody wants to get out? This is, I mean, again, just like with every single playwright we cover, we could go scene by scene and dissect this thing and talk about the piano for probably three hours. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Alone. Yeah. but like, we're really about the playwright and we're about the evolution of that playwright. So one thing I wanted to say about this is that it, it's an interesting tie. You brought up, um, it, you know, the idea of like, is it cheating or is it, you know, whatever to go supernatural. Um, and, and I think we're gonna tackle Jim of the ocean next. Jim of the ocean, by that time, he's like not afraid to go real absurd and theatrical and surreal. And this is almost his like toe dip -hmm. Right? Where he's like,
1: oh, and there's a quote unquote ghost
2: in the piano. Uh,
1: Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Oh, you know something? uh, Let's backtrack a little bit. Um, Yeah. yeah, uh, So, Piano Lesson may be the first play where he out and out deals with the supernatural. But there are hints, well, there's more than hints of it in Joe Turner's Come and Gone. When Bynum Bynum is, uh, you know, telling Harold, you got to, f- you lost your song. Yeah. You got to find your song. And they, they, they had that ceremony. That's right. Which kind of ties into Jim in the ocean. When we talk about it later on. So, but th- th- there's.
3: No, you're absolutely
2: right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I I'd
3: forgotten about that.
1: Um, and
2: and they all live in the same universe, right? The idea is that they all do kind of have that, that connection where um, a connection to a spiritual realm, mm-hmm. right? Sort of. and, um yeah you see that in a lot of them but i also love that he's you know well okay this this is a good segue actually into Jim uh, of the ocean unless anybody has anything else to say about piano lesson
3: it was his second pulitzer we should mention that, yeah. that august will Wilson, oh. august wilson's got two fucking pulitzer <laughs> two <Pulitzers. laughs>
2: uh this was number two yeah, yeah. big deal um it's piano lessons, a masterpiece yeah. yeah it's it's incredible um loved rereading it uh i watched a bunch of the clips of the 95 television one but I, I couldn't find one that was just whole without ads like just doing its thing i'm gonna find it um anyway but so gym of the ocean uh which i texted scott and cj earlier um to me might be a perfect play cj <laughs> can you uh break it the fuck no. <laughs>
1: CJ's breakdown.
4: The story unfolds in the home of Aunt Esther, a well-known 285-year-old wise woman of the town whose home has become a sanctuary for the troubled and lost. Onto the scene walks Citizen Barlow, a man who has fled from Alabama after indirectly causing another man's death.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: so, oh, can I just add this here? Go yes. Ahead. Uh, so, okay. So, Jim uh, of the Ocean. Uh, Citizen Barlow is the elder's grandson, is the elder's grandfather. Yeah. 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 He gets with Black Mary while they kind
4: of like, they're getting a romance started at the end. It's
1: it's Barlow, whose offspring is in Radio Golf, and Caesar Wilkes' offspring is in uh, Radio Golf. And they're fighting
4: over the same house that... gem of the ocean
2: is, in. Yeah. is about right so Gem of the ocean is the second to last to come out but first in the chronology of the mm-hmm. of the cycle um it was set in 1904 but he wrote it in 2003. Mm-hmm. the last one came out in, that we discussed uh came out in 90. piano lesson came out in 90 which uh by the way was the uh year i was born um, and 2003 was the year I turned 13. True story. So oh, <laughs> y'all nice yeah, no, they're like Raphael, <laughs> I don't yeah, 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 feel, yeah, um, yeah, no, I just, uh, uh, wanted to just say that just to see y'all react.
4: Uh, that's all.
2: <laughs> <laughs> y'all had
4: to be here to see the reactions though.
2: Um,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, um, uh who was the first ever Aunt Esther in this play? Do we know on Broadway? Um,
1: uh, Felicia Rashad. Was it Felicia? Played Broadway.
2: She played okay, it on okay. Broadway.
1: She wasn't the first. She, she, she wasn't the uh, first. Yeah, she wasn't the first, but Got Felicia it. played on Broadway.
4: Okay. Yeah, I saw, I watched a video of her doing it. Um, let's see, production
3: history. Oh, we're looking for Broadway. She did it at the Mark Taper as well. So I think she originated it. At, it originated at the Mark Taper.
1: Yeah, the the very first production was at the Goodman Theater. Goodman in Chicago, right. right. Oh, my bad. uh, Yeah, I have it
3: right here.
2: And then they did the Mark Taper uh, like three months later. Right. Yeah. Uh, And then it ran at the Walter Kerr on Broadway where it gets the Tony nomination. It got five, I think, nominations, um, and it didn't win any of them.
3: Hmm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't – I'm wondering – Uh, If, if, if for some, like, I think this is uh, as good as any of the other plays, but I, I I had only vaguely ever, like, heard mention of it. You don't hear it mentioned in the same breath as Piano Listener Fences. And Mm -hmm. um, maybe it, maybe it's second tier. I think it's pretty fucking awesome. But, um, but I'm wondering, did, did, was there a point where critics started getting like, meh it's august wilson like they're expecting gr- gr- i don't like i feel like it was dismissed a little bit maybe critically like w- was it nominated for a pulitzer did they talk about like is there a point where you're just like oh he has enough awards we can't give a third pulitzer <laughs> I'm like you, you, you finish reading this and you're like you can give this third pulitzer because this is everything like this is so good and so theatrical and so tight uh uh a story, and the characters are too good, it's like, I don't ge- I don't quite, I don't quite get why he didn't give him everything. Give him all the awards. <laughs>
1: well, think about this. Um, Brady, uh Seven Guitars up until, Seven Guitars was, was the last August Wilson play that Lloyd Richards directed. Mm. He had directed all of his plays. He didn't direct Jitney, but he had directed, uh, Maraine, Fences, Joe Turner's Come and Gone, the piano lesson, um, seven guitars and two trains running. Mm-hmm. Right. Um King Headley was the first Wilson play that was not you know developed and directed in conjunction with Lloyd Richards, mm. um, Mary McClinton, another dear friend who's past this world who he you know he he, he d- developed and directed it and then uh gym of the ocean was also first directed by marion and then kenny leon took it to broadway right I, mm. I saw i saw the gym of the ocean on broadway and i and i also saw king headley and i think that they both missed lloyd um mm. lloyd lloyd had a way lloyd was an incredible dramaturg and he had a way because they were all sprawling plays, and Lloyd had a way of helping August to trim it down and, you know, you know, get back to the story. Uh, he just had he. I think he was the, he was instrumental in helping him develop it. I, now, by that time, you know, I mean, August was becoming huge, and uh, I think he was probably feeling you know, uh, you know, I've I've gone as far as I want to go with you. I, I wanna, you know, do this on my own now. Mm. Because Lori mm. was still living when King Headley was, you know, went on. Um so to my mind, I think they kind of missed mm. something. Mm. Because, because I I Jim of the Ocean was the first show that I saw of August that I sat there and I was kind of trying to follow the story. Hmm. You know, e- even though it's it's wonderful, it's got all of this, like you were saying, Bailey. It's got all of this, the, the 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 magic, the the, the mysticism. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's big and it's huge and it should be that. And mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you get to the city of bones, that should be like this incredible thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it missed something. With- I do mm-hmm. want to
2: say this though. Uh, do you want to hear the other things that were nominated two thousand five? tony's for best play okay so it didn't go to broadway till 2005 so it goes uh, it, it loses to doubt by john okay. patrick shannon okay. which is doubt okay. um then you have democracy michael Frayn, yeah. and the pillow man
3: Martin oh Middard. lord oh lord so <laughs> okay which
2: is okay. one of all right. All, right. All, right. Yeah, yeah. Tough, all right that's a tough Good that's a tough lineup right there so um you know it, it <laughs> had a, a rough patch but we should also shout out this was the same year of the revival of *Lakaja fall which wins best uh revival that ah. year which we just last episode just covered and we also weirdly talked about um that was the gary beach one we also weirdly talked about norbert norbert leo butts and dirty rotten Scoundrels*, and he wins Go for best uh uh leading actor in a musical that year Word.
4: Oh, Dirty. I saw that. That was when we did our showcase in New
2: York. Yeah, and Brian Dennehy did Long Day's Journey. Which you Did you see that? I oh, know. No, I
4: saw, saw his him. Willie I saw his Willie Loman. Right. I saw Norbert Leo Butts in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Joanna Boy, Gleason. Sing. And that what was that?
1: Boy, he can sing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well,
4: and he... he uh In my school, it used to be... I don't think it's like this anymore. But when you audition for the program, you are either auditioning for musical theater... Or regional theater. And I was... I'm probably lucky I got into the program. I auditioned for musical theater. And they accepted me into the regional theater program. And I believe Norbert Leo Butts was the same. They're like, you can't sing that well. And now he's doing... Or music. Leo like, yeah. last five years is one of my faves. Anyway. Uh, but I saw him on Broadway. And the his counterpart, the other guy, the original one had left. It was John Lithgow, I think. But I yeah. saw... Oh, I saw the guy that plays the lead Sparrow in Game of Thrones, Jonathan Price. I saw Jonathan Price and Norbert Leo Butts. That was fun. Well, that
2: Jonathan Pryce? Jonathan awesome. Pryce's yeah. grand master, dude. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, Anyway, what else? <laughs>
3: uh, uh, Gem of the Ocean, what did everybody think? Uh, We've been sort of talking around it, I feel, but. Um...
1: Oh, yeah, I, I love the characters and I, I love what August Wilson does with names. Oh me yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, I love the names Esther. It sounds like ancestor. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You know, it sounds like ancestor. She's two hundred eighty-five years old, which was the, which would would have had her born in sixteen nineteen, which was mm-hmm. the date that Africans were brought Bam. to the first day. Wow. First year. Sure. Wow. Get you know? it. And she dies uh, during King Henry, so she's over three hundred eighty something years old. Right. She is the. Essence. She is the. She represents the African American experience in total. She has all that history. So Aunt Esther, ancestor. It's, it's a. It's a incredible character. And so whether she's literally three hundred something years old or she's these, um, you know, gr- uh, these griots that kind of take on her name and like the mm. you know, Black Mary. Maybe yes. she, because she's a protege. maybe yes. she's not Esther. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm, and, and you but it, it, right? But um, it, she, this, she's just this incredible character. I mean, Caesar Wilkes, Caesar is <laughs> the Roman Caesar. He's this autocrat. He's this fucking dictator, mm-hmm. um, and who has this you know harsh you know dictatorial authoritarian view about things. You know, Solly two kings, uh, the, 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 the two kings of David. David and, and Solomon. Uh, all, and, right, yeah. and Aunt Esther also, you know, from the Bible, from the book of Esther. Yeah. And so he, he does this incredible thing with names, and I, you can probably find that in all of his characters. Yeah, I think he's can very break, uh, specific with, with his names. Citizen Barlow. Yeah, hit Citizen Barlow. Re- <laughs> Citizen <laughs> Barlow hit yeah, me and really and strong. That, like... And Solly has that um, great thing. He says, you know, it's you, your mother... She named you citizen." It's hard to be a citizen. You have to. You don't get it. You have to demand it. Mm-hmm. So that's like you know, you know, telling you know African Americans we're not been not we're not given the rights as we should. That's we have to fight to be a citizen. So you you know, she gave you that name so that you have to fight to be called that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's it's also he has the the perfect in terms. of traditional structure it's the perfect redemptive arc um that citizen has that he's stolen the nails and uh it's i will say that my the only thing is is that once that's revealed once he's like i stole these nails and then you then you you trip through that he's responsible for this poor motherfucker going into the river and dying um uh i think I think I saw where it was going that I, I knew what was go- with the ending was going to suggest. know, uh, yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, you, I saw,
1: knew... you saw where citizen was gonna go At, going to go. Yeah, like, that, he try- gonna, that he was going to
3: that he was going to have to go and, and complete that journey, so to speak, um, huh. which is fine. It's not it's not a huge criticism. Um, this is the one that i really noticed um oh and i have a question after i say this uh i really noticed the uh the talking of of water and fire water and fire both of which represent redemption in of itself cleanliness rebirth um cleansing of the soul but the the repetition of it the fact that this the first thing that we hear about is this guy going in the river and letting himself drown in the river. He, he could have gotten out, he could have gotten out, but he wouldn't do it because it would have meant incarceration. It would have meant giving it up and the idea that he was going to be would taken have been by the river.
4: Admitting guilt too, and he wasn't guilty.
3: Right. Yeah. And it's also, you know, baptismal and it's- um,
4: But also like the other thing that struck me when she was talking, when she was doing that monologue about him is he was going to be a marked man anyway. Mm. Even, no. like, people were going to think he was guilty anyway. He was going to have the title of thief for the rest of his life, even if he proved that he didn't do it.
1: Yeah, right. because, I mean, who who's going to believe a black man? Right. 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 Po- right. Yeah.
3: The burning down of the mill, though, the idea that that had to happen, um, and the fact that um, what's-his-name does it, like... Um, Solly. Solly does it, that he's the one that... that Uh, Because he's a slave. He was a slave, you know, Um, and that was the other thing that struck me um, was sort of I was very conscious of the decades. I, I think I was really trying to hear the differences between the decades. But in this one in particular, I was really focused on it and then how it didn't dawn on me at first until I was like three or four pages in. I'm like, holy God, like. If this character's fifty years old, this character's a former slave. Um, yeah. th- that we're that mm-hmm. close to it. it was nineteen oh four, I think it's it's said. Yeah. yeah uh, we're that close to it and um, you know, we're seeing the it's it's brutality about of
2: freedom. It's a it's like almost literally about that. Yeah. Yeah. So
3: And he... then
4: finding out it's not that great. Right.
3: <laughs> well, then because so... of Jim Crow and and mm-hmm. <clears throat> these ahead, fucked
1: up right. systems. Yeah, so I mean every one of those characters in that play except for black mary they all would have been slaves because mm, yeah,
0: right. they
1: all are over 45 mm,
4: mm-hmm, mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: and barlow not uh, a and fan. citizen yeah oh yeah, yeah yes yes citizen yes citizen and mary
3: i love citizen. you know because you can see uh you know you can see all of those characters in citizen you can see levy and citizen you can see troy and citizen and um that that kind of thing um, my question was is that in the gem of the ocean sequence when they're doing the ceremony around him and and and, and all that they talk about european masks that they're wearing european masks and yeah, i wasn't they're, quite they're,
1: sure were they they're, they're the overseers on the boat gotcha okay that, right. yeah that represents the the, the gym of the ocean is a ship and that represents the middle passage. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Those now slaves, I got all well.
3: that. I just, yeah. just yeah. the specificity so, yeah. of European masks. So they're they're, yeah, they're, so they're, 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 they're acting the roles of the, of the slavers. Great. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I just, I, I dug it. I, I mean, I've I, never I don't know,
2: it, but I would, I bet that prologue, it just like, slaps you in the face right away when you see it on stage like Mm. him just like i need to uh, i need to get in here i need to get in and then she's like standing over him and like i don't know like that yeah every time i reread that i'm just like
3: oh i bet that's a great start to a play (laughs) like that's (laughs) and and yeah i think anytime you do something like a prologue and it's so simple this is a house of peace you gotta come back yeah like like, slap yeah i love it
1: so the one thing I I, I do remember the, the Broadway the Broadway uh, stage the, the the set was Aunt Esther had a huge house and I you know I'm, I'm kind of wondering she was a famous singer, how did she avoid this house mm. uh, it was, but it was it was it was big and it was it was it was homey it was, it was it was big but the thing about it was it was lit and draped in a way it looked like you were in the middle of the ocean
3: mm. you got that sense of
1: in the ocean.
3: Wow. And it was
1: kind of, it was like, Ooh. Yeah, it's, <laughs> almost <laughs> like, it's almost like
2: this, it's its own, like on its own plane right as if it's this like ghostly house that floats over the ocean yeah. it's, it's 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 itself a ghost ship yeah. mm. right. that's know, cool
1: I mean, I, I mean eli says this this, this, this is this is a house of peace so yeah I yeah it's, it's, i,
2: I, I love, love
3: that i love eli too we didn't talk much about eli but the idea that he is he is a gatekeeper he is li- literally building and creating the wall to protect and can't, wh- why are you building that wall? I'm like he's got his reasons for. It. He never really answers it clearly. It's just, um, it's a task that has to be done.
1: um name too.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh right.
2: We've we've uh, kind of already tackled Esther ancestor as a um character, but there's this great Felicia Rashad quote um that I I wanted to go ahead and read, and it's uh. She, and Esther, is the lineage of wise persons, of wise women who hold the memory of ancestry. It's holding the spirit of ancestry. It's holding that connection to the meaning of life and to the importance of life. It's holding the connection of everything that came before.
4: Another thing that I loved about this play too is because it connects it to theater it connects it to history, but the whole idea of storytelling, mm. because I mean, it is mo- like, it's, it's monolog and it's just, okay. it's a lot of stories about where they've been, what they've experienced. And I mean, they had to tell their their stories like that because nobody was writing them down in a book. Right. So uh, mm. yeah, they were, they were like, sh- and it's, it goes with what you were saying too, Scott, like you have to keep that stuff up or it's going to be lost.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Yeah. Oral tradition. Mm -hmm. um, right right
2: right yeah
3: absolutely Absolutely.
2: i would argue i mean i think you know it's i i think this is a perfect play i know i i i I don't know what it is like every time i read it i i just it's like a warm bath i think it's it's really smart you can tell if we're talking about evolutions you can tell he's like he's in a, a very different place but he's still connected to what he was doing in the 80s he's still connected you know he's it's all um he's closing out his universe and i i think it's his juiciest work like i don't know that it's like the most profound necessarily but i think it has some of the juiciest bits in it um i love it it it,
3: (laughs) no i love it I, i i i ain't gonna fight you it's 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 great do you feel like he may have waited to do this one, the earliest one, like, you know, he kind of like, cause Jitney's what Jitney's the seventies, right? Am I yeah. wrong? On?
1: No, he didn't wait. I, I think um, his he didn't know he was going to write plays for the decade. And the way he describes his process, Wilson, he says, you know, he he hears a line of dialogue, something. Somebody, he'll hear a lot of dialogue and then he says, Well, who said that?
2: Right. Mm. And then
1: that person comes and I mean, he's literally, he'll sit, he likes to sit in cafes and he'll sit in a booth and he's got a long uh, legal pad and he's got a pen and he's got a black cup of coffee and he's looking at the other side and he's, you know, he, okay, talk to me. And mm. they just start talking and he just writes it down. Hmm. And that, that's that was his process.
3: Wow. Yeah. They're talking about oh. his, the, his ear for dialects and his mm-hmm. ear for accents and, and all that. And Pittsburgh is such this weird cross section of, of cultures because the Hill district was also, it, you also had a, a huge Italian community. You had a Polish community that was all surrounded and, and that blending And never mind the weird that there's that weird Pittsburgh Yinzer accent that permeates the city anyway. And it's weird because you can see it coming out of uh, many different mouths and colors and and all that. And and you just he just nails it like like nobody else. Yeah. Um do we want to talk
2: about the ending? We don't normally talk a ton about endings so that people will go read it and like really get it. But the ending's pretty profound him sort of taking up the walking stick uh, citizen specifically. He's donning the coat donning of, of Solly and mm-hmm. basically going to become a a conductor
1: mm-hmm.
2: on the underground railroad
1: basically. Yeah, like, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah because I mean where slavery was over with, uh, yeah. the, the the migration is happening because the situation is so bad down south that African Americans are leaving. Yeah, and it's so funny, you know, white folks. That was their economy. That's how they lived, and they, <laughs> <couldn't>, <laughs> they were treating them like horribly, killing them, lynching them, and stuff. But the moment they want to leave, they said, no, we can't have you leave because that's fuck. That's gonna fuck us up. We're right, we're, we're gonna, gonna right. Walk, oh, we're leave. leave. We're you gonna know, block and the so bridges and, and like keeping yeah. them from <laughs> keeping them from leaving. Yeah. Well, well, and then so,
3: create then creating these fucked up, you know, situations of indentured servitude like right. like like citizen can get the job at the mill and you'll get paid a dollar a day, but you have to live over here at the at the lodge and and room and boards a dollar fifty a day. Well, you're gonna quickly yeah. get in debt and you then you have to work off the debt and and it was putting people it, it keep putting people in these situations, it's, it's, you know, horrible. Yeah.
1: And, and that's, the, that's up north. I mean, if you were down south, the, then it the was they worse. Kept, yeah, where they kept you going on, the, the prison industrial complex, you know, they, uh, you know, blacks could be, black folks could be jailed for a wide variety of things. I mean, throughout August Wilson's Place, he kept talking about parchment, parchment Farm, which was in the Mississippi Correctional Facility, that was mm-hmm. built specifically for black men. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's a farm. It's a 200, it's a 25, 26 mile farm right. that, you know, is so isolated. They don't even bother like shackling people because you run out, you can't go anywhere. It's, you, mm. you starve or you no know, thirst to death. Right. But, you know, black men could be uh, brought to parchment for the minorest of offenses, but that's, it, it was a, it was a prison farm and that's where, you know, you, they, they had you working cuz they leased you out to, to farmers or whatever and they had you you know working the fields uh growing uh soybean whatever they needed to do so it was like it was de facto slavery yeah cuz parchment was an old it was a it was a it was a what's the word it was a plantation it used yeah. to be a plantation they yeah. just converted into a a, a prison so
3: Thank God everything is okay now.
2: Yeah, everything's fixed, <laughs> right? August Wilson, everyone read August Wilson's
3: plays. Everything, everything is solved. <laughs> but Shit. it's it's true. It's it's just like what I think is most, uh, and we can move on if we want to. I, I think that it's the most profound thing is that he what he does is that he he, he relays an experience. He relays it in an entertaining way, in a profound way and an emotional way without, I think you said it early in, in, maybe in part one, Bailey, that he doesn't, he doesn't have these villain white characters. And I think that it would, that would have taken away from what he was trying to do. It was like, uh, like why even fuck with them? Like don't even fuck with them. Like yeah. I, I just relay the experience and that's all that matters. It's like, my God, like, just have kids. Just show kids August Wilson plays. <laughs> yeah.
4: I, I was also str- I mean, reading all of these, knowing, uh, wow, nothing. We we haven't fixed anything. Like when Ma Rainey arrives, and it's it was nineteen twenty seven. That one. Yep. Uh, Ma Rainey arrives, and in like one breath, five things that like, uh, got pulled over. They didn't think it was my car. Uh, The cab wouldn't let me, wouldn't give me a ride. Then he said I was abusive. Like, all the stuff that I still hear from my friends today,
2: Mm.
4: that it's just, nothing has really changed.
2: And the movie does a good job of kind of um, making that an understated moment. They don't even make, they're not even like, look how crazy it is that this is. They're just like, yeah, Yeah. this is normal, right? Yeah, it's just
1: a normal day in America in 1920-something. They don't even comment on it. It's just kind of like,
2: yeah. And if we, mm-hmm. saw, if we saw a video today in 2021, we'd be like, yes, I know that that still happens. What the fuck?
1: Are they
4: in Boston? Or I don't know. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, okay. So uh, unless you guys have anything massive to say about Jim of the Ocean, we got to do something now that always makes us sad. We got to kill some darlings.
0: <gasps>
2: Bailey loves ranking shit. I do. <laughs> I, do you do like it. ranking shit i like ranking shit you like ranking <laughs> shit? um it's one of my favorite things uh so this is the segment where we rank shit we kill darlings um i want to hear from y'all what are starting from number four what is the order of these plays for you going to number one it's hard but we're gonna do it it's really okay. hard go ahead scott
3: I'll go ahead because I, I did this earlier today. So, I, and I'm not going to second guess myself. I'm going to stick with Good. what I, I did stick this morning. Okay. Number four. And please understand, like, this was brutal. This was brutal. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay. I know. I know. Okay. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Number three The Piano Lesson. Wow. Okay. Masterpiece. I love it. I yeah. love it. I love them all. Number two is Gem of the Ocean. Nice. I just was taken with it. I hadn't read it in a while and, and I just got it. Uh, and then number one is is Fences. It's still, it's just, it still rings to me as this masterpiece of American letters.
2: Okay, CJ, Raphael, we'll give you final say, but I, yeah, it's a <laughs> solid list, solid list. Go ahead, I CJ. wrote
4: mine down already. <laughs> number four, The Piano Lesson. Number three, Fences. <gasps> number two, Gem of the Ocean, and a special ad with Radio Golf. Read them together. It's fun. And then number one, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom.
2: Wow. Nice. <laughs> oh, that, that's a great <laughs> list. Yeah. I'm not mad at that at all. <laughs> um, my list is also, uh, it was very difficult. Um, number four, Fences. <gasps> Sorry. Uh, Number three, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Number two, The Piano Lesson. Number one, Gem of the Ocean. I'm a huge fan. I'm a stan. Is it like a perfect
4: play or something,
2: Bailey? I did. I texted CJ and Scott (laughs) earlier today. I said, it's a perfect play. Uh, (laughs) He makes Tennessee Williams look like a little bitch.
3: (laughs) 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 Suck it, uh, Williams. I've got to comment on that after Raphael. <laughs> all right, Raphael, let's hear it.
1: Okay. Number four is Jim of the Ocean. <sighs> number three is Ma Rainey. Number two is Fences. Number <gasps> one is Piano Lesson.
2: Wow. Yeah. God, we were all
1: different. It's Can I great. ask
2: why the piano lesson number one? I love it. It was my number two, but why uh, number one?
1: The piano lesson has a special place in my heart because that's the one that uh, I saw developed. Yeah, uh, I saw a change. And uh it always just spoke to me the most. Yeah um I you know when I first saw it, um the cast Samuel L. Jackson played Boy Willie, right? And uh Rocky Carroll played Lyman oh. and Sam was he was this lanky kind of he was like your uncle when he, when he, when he did it and uh just had this incredible energy he was just wonderful wow. in it. and then rock was like a bull in a china shop he just had this <laughs> energy <laughs> you know he's like a ping pong ball bouncing all over the place and i think wilson wrote it for him but i i just I just love, and then I, I saw *Being the I just, I, I love that play.
4: May May I make a quick shout out? Yeah. Fine. Uh, thank you to Brittany Wheeler for doing our monologue at the top of the show today from yeah, *Gem of the Ocean*.
2: Absolutely, I forgot incredible. to. And Raphael did, our, did ours for the first episode. Mm-hmm. Absolutely incredible. We love that we get to showcase a little bit of the work, um, you know, before our, each episode. Especially get
4: more voices on here too.
2: It's, it's great.
1: Absolutely. Who, oh. who did Brittany do? Did, 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 did she do Black Mary or did she do on Esther? Esther? Okay, Esther. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah.
4: She's getting ready to get her master's right now. And she's using uh, a lot of Gem of the Ocean, I think, for her thesis. Oh, so she's cool. been studying it a lot extra too. Cool. And she just loves it. So Raphael, you-
2: I have a quick question. Um, do you have any dream roles. dream roles? Do you have any dream roles?
1: Okay. Um, well, when I got out of school, I auditioned for Lyman. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, I auditioned for Lyman. Um, Dream roles.
2: Is there anything that like, if you saw the breakdown, you know, for CTG or the Playhouse or Fools, wherever, and you go, that, oh, I have to go audition.
1: Hmm. You know, I ought to, but right now I don't. Hmm. I'm I'm at a point right now where I don't have dream roles anymore um, gotcha that, that's a long conversation I, I kinda had to, like, you know i mean i, I kind of had to let that go
3: Sure. Gotcha.
1: <laughs> well yeah. i will say and i'd love, love to you
2: see, survive <laughs> right i'd love right. to see like your cutler yeah i think it would be great i'd, I'd love to see maybe even a troy from you in a few mm-hmm. years i think uh i think um you you know what Well, well get...
1: yeah, I mean I, I mean I would be playing like any of the musicians, uh any of the older musicians. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well okay, Toledo you know, would I, be
3: great. You would all yeah. that maybe,
1: maybe Bynum in Joe Turner's Come and Gone. Mm, mm. Mm.
3: Right on. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Love it. Wow. Cool. Okay. So um let's do a final uh do we have any LA spotlights real quick?
3: Uh, Not that. No,
2: not. Oh, I'll give a quick L.A. Spotlight. L.A. Spotlight. L.A. Spotlight. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) Everyone should check out uh playhouse live mm. okay i've brought it up on the on the pot a few times but playhouse live playhouse is the pasadena playhouse is doing this streaming service which is absolutely incredible we have a jerry herman review on there called you i like we have a documentary about the little shop of horrors that we did um this past season uh starring mj rodriguez and george salazar um and amber riley um and it was absolutely phenomenal uh we have a a a a a new workshop of a musical that that we filmed that has nick offerman megan Mullally, adam divine and laura bell bundy it's called ice boy uh hooray for ice boy and it's about uh it's a musical sort of um satirizing eugene eugene o'neill's iceman cometh um and it's phenomenal um and then we have like a hundred other things archives of the playhouse we have um a documentary about the playhouse and just like uh, tons of stuff that's about to get uh, uploaded there, please check it out. And it helps us a lot. It helps us to keep our doors open during, well, not during this time, but hopefully reopen our doors um, later this year or next year, once we can actually get back into theaters. Does anybody have anything else that they want to share or say right now?
1: Um, I'd like to make one plug. It's, it's not a theater plug, but uh sure. um... If anybody has Netflix, and if you can see "Giving Voices," oh, oh here, 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 just it, watched it today. Yeah, what is yeah, that? "Giving Voices." It's it 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 showcases the August Wilson monologue competition that happens around the country, and it's well, uh, you're going reep. on. It's going you're on its twentieth year, and they created it. I mean, Kenny, Kenny Leon created it down in uh, I think Atlanta, right after, shortly after August died. Oh, and. It's uh, you, they, it's it's like you know several cities where you know you got uh, high school kids, men and women and men who do they choose a monologue, they work with somebody and they do it and then they come compete and they go to regions and the winners of each region each city will go to New York,
2: right you
1: know, for the final, uh, and I I saw it and it's it's so wonderful to give you an idea about it, the universality of. Uh, Wilson. They've been doing this for close to twenty years. The winner of this uh, of, of it this time was a young uh, Mexican boy. Wow, who, from LA. Yeah, from, from LA, and he did King Headley and he was fucking incredible.
2: Wow, mm-hmm.
1: incredible. And you know, one of my uh, a, one of my classmates is one of the teeth is one of the coaches in in in, in the movie. <laughs> Cool, uh, Bernard Cummings, and he was just telling me. He says, "You know, because I, I was t- talking with him about that. He says, yeah, he says like the year before it was it was a white girl from Seattle who won it.' Wow, And, I said, really? <laughs> and he says, Yeah. Hmm. if it, if it's not like color specific, the monologue, if they they bring something out of them, and I think that is just so wonderful that these kids they they find something about August's work that speaks to them.'" Right. And they just do this incredible work. And that young man, when he did it, I just it just brought tears to my eyes because I mean he was just this shy young boy, you know, his 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 first generation, his family, they you know they came from Mexico, they you know, they they the whole family lives in the house. And he did that monologue. I mean, Henley is just it's so different, but it just connected to him. I mean, it's just like it was his experience, it's his his family's experience. And it just I I can't say enough about this movie. It's it was just made so you really crying. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah,
3: Bailey, um, you're, you'll dig it the
2: most. That's my yeah. I just added it to my Netflix. Mm-hmm. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think
1: you'll appreciate it. You, you, you work with young, young young people, so I
2: do. Yeah, that sounds absolutely incredible. Yeah, and it just speaks to the universality of of Wilson. He might be speaking about one culture, but he is speaking to all of us, and. He's just, he's fucking incredible. I'm so glad we got to talk to him, uh, talk to him about him. I do that all the time. I feel like I've said that like a hundred times. Um, uh,
4: may, may I say one quote that Viola Davis said on that doc? Yeah. Uh, She says, in a world that is sometimes really lacking in compassion, I think it's honorable to want to be an artist.
3: Mm, yeah. Yeah, Wilson Isn't just... <laughs> I think he's, you know, I I don't know if I mentioned this to you. I I really think that he, you know, we talk about that he's up there with Tennessee Williams and Eugene O'Neill and and um, Arthur Miller and stuff. Uh, but all of those that I mentioned, well, maybe not O'Neill, but Miller and Tennessee Williams, they have fat. They have they have plays that you can just throw away. There's not any of Wilson. All of Wilson's are. None. There are no throwaways in in his um, canon, and sure. I think that he's up there. I'm going to be really interested to see how we talk about him in 20 years, and because yeah. I just I think that he's as brilliant as as Shakespeare, and in very much the same way, like sort of self-taught. I'm going to go out there and and. I'm a poet, and now I'm a playwright, and I'm going to read and I'm going to learn, and I'm going to teach myself, and the genius just comes out, and, and his um,
1: plays are being done all over the world mm-hmm. yeah,
2: international superstar August Wilson um thank you all so much for joining us on our mini series. The podcast lesson uh, covering the works of August Wilson. Thank you, Raphael, for joining us here. here. Thank you so much. Undeniable honor. I haven't seen you in so long. It's just a
3: pleasure. Just a pleasure to have you, man. And thanks for listening to the show. And, uh and for reaching out going hey <laughs> what are you guys talking about black playwrights <laughs> it's like well, we're gonna get to it we're gonna get to it
1: uh but yeah, thanks y'all for having me on i i, I you know I, I love listening to the podcast and i i i really love spending almost you know all this time talking with you about plays it was fantastic oh. You're good well we're definitely lovely gonna, having
4: you yeah, yeah we're
1: definitely gonna do an
2: artist artist spotlight with you soon and then we'll have you on this season or next whenever you want to come on we got plenty more playwrights coming anybody you want we got so many great uh uh people coming up so anybody that you're just like ah, i really want to talk about sarah rule we'll have you on for Sarah Rule. <laughs> 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 whatever you're into um but next week uh we will be back with another bonus episode of theater theater and stuff a scots pick mm-hmm. we are discussing the film the right stuff a movie about a bunch of sexy white dudes who go to space while a group of black women do all the math behind the scenes.
3: <laughs> that's right spoiler alert
2: those women aren't in the movie but we still have a blast <laughs> discussing it and we do discuss hidden figures and we do like do that.
3: a shout out to hidden Figures. yeah and it is a
2: it's super super fun and after that we'll begin our next playwright mini series where we will be discussing the works of sarah rule In our mini series entitled Dead Man's Podcast. (laughs) Dead Man's cell cell phone. That's pretty funny. Um, Thanks for explaining. Thanks. Um, (laughs) So keep your eyes open for that. And, you know, other stuff.
4: Uh, Yeah. And look, look, look. We know you have questions and corrections and comments. Maybe you have a playwright that you think we should cover. Then you should email us or maybe instant message us on the IG, the Grams, whatever the kids
3: are calling it these days. The GRAM. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. hey big shout outs big shout outs, shout outs. Shout outs uh, <laughs> to Ryan Thomas Johnson for writing our theme song uh, to the brilliant Pam Quinn for writing our uh, August Wilson special our fate. song uh, and for being awesome also a big shout out to the writer of this podcast and that's Annie Baker I don't even think she knows she's credited she's <laughs> She certainly hasn't gotten any checks from us, but she will get a beer because when this <laughs> pandemic is over, anything, you're, you're having a beer with us. Um, that's all we got, folks. Thanks so much. Well, we yeah. appreciate
2: y'all. Thank you so much. Uh, please rate, subscribe, review, follow us on all the things. And, uh, it's it really, time. Do it. Yeah, and it really does help when you rate uh, – us on whatever podcatcher you're listening to us on we do really appreciate it and it helps so much please engage with us we have a ton of listens and not a lot of engagement and it makes me sad so, please join us. uh Raphael is apparently our only um listener who <laughs> so, you
1: you'll have to tell me after this broadcast how how to rate
2: okay <laughs> okay maybe we'll that's it. the problem is all of our <laughs> listeners don't know how to do it, so they're just, it like, oh. <laughs> just screaming at the podcast. Tell me what to do. um We'll do a tutorial on the next episode um,
4: <laughs> a visual tutorial
2: Yeah. <laughs> all right, friends uh, best of times. Um much love. Love. Um Love. Now is the time to seize the day. Love changes. Send out the call everything. and join the prey. <laughs> Wrongs <laughs> will be righted if we're united. Let us seize
3: the <sighs> <day. laughs> Later, everybody.
4: Bang. I hear you knocking. I hear you talking But it's more like a hush And you're making me blush I hear you calling But just keep stalling Cause I'm not ready Stay back, stay steady But when it comes time For us to fight
1: Only one damn thing's Gonna make it all right One on one Put down your gun up your
2: fist because when you see my name at the top
4: of your list you can knock till then back up back
1: the hell-